Well, welcome back to episode four of this first season of What Christians Believe. I'm Eman. And I am Pastor Dan. And we were going to be talking today about Are We Created? Yes. Oh, there sorry. you go. Sorry, blew it. Well, already. no, we like to have a spoiler alerts for those that have a low attention span. <laughs> I want to just go move on with their day. We're giving you the Coles notes as mm-hmm. well, right? Yep. Now, would you say it's fair that to say that throughout human throughout history, ninety nine point plus percent of humanity has believed that we are created? Um, yeah, I would. I would say that that's probably the case. It, 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 I, I think that would really you'd have to define what we mean by created. Um, there's different levels of buy-in to how much is, you know, created, ongoing. Was it just created at the beginning? Was there just a, an event that set it all off into like kind of winding up the clock and now it's just running out? You know, you start the top spinning and see where it goes. As, you know, more and more um, involvement in a creative process by a creator all the way to, you know, basic Christian doctrine of, yeah, God made it everything and he's still actively involved in everything and um so but i would say like much like we talked about last week and the week before um most of humanity believes in some kind of purposeful making of creation varied on the extent yeah and that to me is a clue as to if there's such a consistent belief throughout history i mean it, like we said in previous episodes most humans, because they really have to find food, mm. you'll see we all kind of, you know, hunter civilizations before we learned how to be agricultural. Mm. All hunters across the planet had knew they had to sneak up on the animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? There's some basic, that's food, that that's poison. We all kind of synchronize or come together over time on things that are real. Mm. You know, wa- you need water and food and shelter. Gotcha, yep. We also seem to go look up. Mm-hmm. That seems to be as universal as survival instincts. Yeah, yeah. Which would it really, if it was totally make belief unnecessary, why would it be everywhere, even when people don't communicate with each other? Yeah, yeah. How, it, how, how come it's so ubiquitous? Yeah. Right? It's, it's kind of like. Um... You know, C.S. Lewis, you read a lot of C.S. Lewis, right? His whole argument of like, you can't have something that has no existence, no no answer, no resolution, right? So we, there, we, are, we feel hungry, therefore there must be a satisfaction, oops, sorry, satisfaction of hunger. Did I mess up your shot? Oh, I'm not, not your, mine, that's your shot oh, over there. Still got Did your you good sign? Up? I don't know, I'll have to check and see here. Um, but there is... There, there is such. If there is such a thing as hunger, there must be food. If there is such a thing as thirst, there must be drinking. If there's such a thing as lust, there must be sex, right? If there's such a thing as like purpose and meaning and beginning and design and all of those, like that must mean a purposeful designer. Right? It just can't have that thing there without the resolution to it also existing. Right. right, I agree. And like alchemy was our, you know, we fumbled with alchemy for a couple thousand years before we found out we discovered chemistry. Mm-hmm. Alchemy was just sloppy chemistry, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. And I, that's how I see a lot of religious practices. It's sloppy theism. Mm-hmm. But, we you know, chemis- chemicals are real. We didn't understand how they worked. Right. 
but we boiled them and mixed them with other boiled chemicals and sat back and saw what happened. We realized something was changing in the matter as we dealt with it. Right. And eventually, literally, it bled into a, the chemistry, which gives us heart pressure medications mm-hmm. and antibiotics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a real thing that we finally understood. Right. So now there would have to be, my whole thing is if Christianity is the truth, it must be rational. Mm-hmm. And is it rational can we rationally support the case for creation over the case of non-creation? Mm-hmm. And now a Greek philosopher from Aristotle's era named Parmenides, he was, he's, he's known for the famous line, from nothing comes nothing. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's one of the most basic principles in science. Mm-hmm. And I think Plato or Socrates defined nothing as what rocks dream about. Right. Right. Which okay. What nothing. rocks dream about? Yeah. 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 So that's nothing. Yeah. So when you have nothing, there's no cause. Yeah. There's no effect. Right. So Aristotle argued against the materialists of his day, who were called the atomists. Hmm. It's actually from them we get the term atom, because they believed that all of matter could be reduced to singular points. Now they didn't understand what those points were, but they were right. Hmm. But they were the materialists of their day. Okay. Whereas Aristotle, Plato's, and Socrates believed the cosmos was eternal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that, there's that thought, too. Yes. We don't really touch on that one much because science basically can't handle that either. We're going right? to talk about that today, for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's been bis- proven wrong. Yeah, the, the universe is eternal in some form. That just like that, yeah. You're just making stuff up there, too, now. But Aristotle did not believe necessarily for sure in the human soul or the afterlife, but Plato and Socrates did. Mm-hmm. They were mm-hmm. true metaphysicians. Mm-hmm. So they believe both aspects of reality coincided parallel-wise yeah. forever. Yeah. But anyways, he said to them, you would have to have an uncaused cause if your world was purely material, and that's not possible. Right, right. You have in a material realm that is mindless, there's only, you know, a domino doesn't fall unless it's hit by something. Mm-hmm. Then the domino chain can begin. Right. Right? Yep. So he believed, though, in a prime mover. So he said there is some force, something that keeps motion. Now, obviously, they didn't understand nuclear physics and all that stuff. Mm. But the principle was there's a prime mover. There's something that is the cause of all the physical faculties we see at play. In a sense, he was right. Mm -hmm. But the idea that materialists, like the atomists of the Greeks' day, could explain everything through just cause and effect was something that the greatest minds in Greece fought against. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. The uh, I, I, I the only option, if you throw out a creator, is an internally existing creation, which we know that is impossible as well. Now, there could be, I guess, an eternally existing. Um, universe if there was also an eternally existing God to manage the eternally existing universe. But that's not what the Bible teaches anyway. And you're just speculating on that anyway. So either um, it's it's got a creator who made it happen at a point in time, or there is no explanation because you can't have inert organic matter, or sorry, inert non-organic matter, the, the big ball of whatever, stay there in for an infinite amount of time never doing anything and then all of a sudden one day it moves like that that is illogical something had to make it move yeah 
right? Movement itself is one of the most puzzling things about creation is why is everything in motion, right? Something has to give it a kick. That's the idea, right? Mm -hmm. So all of it comes back to there's got to be something that causes, right? I'm not even talking about your uncaused cause thing, but the, the big problem with... Um, uh, the evolutionary, the Big Bang, the un, like the, something happens without a cause, people. Um, it's not just has to happen once. It has to happen multiple times, right? So you have to do it once to even get the Big Bang to happen. Then you got to do it again to even, how do we get from inorganic to organic? That's like, nobody knows that, right? And then how do you get to the Cambrian explosion of um, the fossil record of like, basically there's plants and then all of a sudden there's everything within like one rock layer that's a problem how does that and then how do you then get to man being a product of this whole process because man is not like everybody we are self-reflective right we can look at ourselves and our creation and take an outside point of view and dogs don't do that right plant no no other piece of creation does it how did that happen so there's four steps right there that science is science has no answer for mm -hmm. Yeah, and the Muslims philosophers in the 1200s, I think it was, they coined the term, the Kalam cosmological argument. Mm. And essentially what they said, and this is before we understood, you know, the third law of thermodynamics, mm -hmm. which I'll talk about in a second. But they were saying, look, if everything is, and as Muslims, they were theists. Mm -hmm. If everything is just caused by a previous cause, well, that would stretch back for infinity. Totally, yeah. Problem with that that they called it the problem of infinite regression into the past. If I'm going to move forward, let's say, in time, and I'm telling you, look, once you count to infinity, I'll give you everything I own. My house, my car, my kids, everything is yours. Well, that's about as safe a bet as I can make. Because no matter how many numbers you count to, there's always just the next number. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as the number infinity. Right. Right? didn't imply it, non-finite. Right. So if I had to live through an infinite number of days to get to a certain event, I would never get there. Yeah, yeah. So if there's an infinite number of events in our past, we wouldn't be sitting here today. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? It was a simple mathematical reductionist argument for an absolute beginning of the physical universe. Right. And then they said, well, if the cause for the physical universe is to break free from the problem of infinite regression, it must not be triggered by a previous event. And the only thing that can explain that is free will. Mm, okay. The free will, you have to be A, outside of space and time, and you must exert something very similar to consciousness or free will. Mm, okay, right. Yep. Now, in our modern, like, our modern day scientific understanding of the universe completely falls in line with the Kalam cosmological argument. Because not only is it a mathematical absurdity and therefore not possible, it's not rational, mm -hmm. but a closed system like the universe would have run out of energy by now if we were infinitely years old. Right. It's like a gas tank. If I see a car idling, I know one thing for certain. I don't know how long it's been idling for, but I know it hasn't been there forever. Yeah. Right? Right. Yep. Totally. So there we go. And this, again, falls in line with the Christian notion that in the beginning... And as you know better than me, the Hebrew for in the beginning means the chief beginning, the way mm. this phrase is structured. Mm -hmm. In the ultimate beginning, yeah. meaning the start, God created, and it's barof, ex nihilo, mm -hmm. the, the 
Hebrew verb for created in that Genesis 1-1 means from nothing. Right. Not a pre-existing material formed into something new. Right. Out of nowhere. And I think later on it uses it again to mean that human souls are also created from nothing. Mm-hmm. It created the heavens and the earth. And that was a term, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but heavens and earth was a term used to mean everything. What we would say today, cosmos, universe. Yeah. They didn't have that concept, but they said, you know, at, at night when you look up and you see all that stuff, that's the heavens. Mm-hmm. And then the earth is everything down here. Yeah. All of it is a creation from nothing at the at a chief beginning yeah. by God. Yeah, I think um, when you're thinking about that verse, both of those words, heavens and earth, have multiple meanings in the Bible, mm. right? So I think it's fair. Like he's not trying to distinguish anything. He's just saying God created everything. Yeah. Right. The heavens everything. and the earth. Right. Both the material and the immaterial creation. Every. This is what um, the writer of he. I think Romans maybe. Right. There is nothing made that he didn't make. Right. Like nothing has been made that he didn't make. Anything that exists was made by him. There's nothing outside of what God created. There's God, and then there's everything else. And everything else is the result of God's effort in creation, mm-hmm. right? So there's, that's the whole point. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It just means there's nothing else besides the things that God created. Yep. Everything is created by God. Yep. And Christian, Christians tend to fall into three basic camps for creation. There's the young earth creationist camp, mm-hmm. which would be, as you know, mm-hmm. the, the earth is... Adam was the first man and the genealogies are more or less complete and therefore we're looking at six to ten thousand years most likely yeah and we say six to ten thousand I think is because there's some questions about how long different things lasted in right. the very origin stories of the Bible yeah right the, the Adam and Eve all the like the pre-flood stuff once you get to Abraham we pretty much right. have a pretty solid line on that yeah um, even Seth um, Noah's son uh, Seth is I'm sorry not uh, Seth um, Adam's uh, son Seth. Adam not uh, Mo, uh, Noah had uh, Shem oh. Shem, yeah, Shem yeah, yeah, not yeah. Seth sorry even Shem like there's records of Maybe not his whole name, but the idea of Shem is mm. in other uh, cultures and other religions in the Bible. So once you get to get the, to that Shem Abraham area, mm. we can kind of line that up pretty good. But right. all the pre-flood stuff, there's some pretty Little interesting room. questions yeah. that would turn the times. You know, it might have been a little longer, might have been a little bit less, but it's not turning, you know, a, a thousand years into a billion. Mm-hmm. That's the point, right? right. It's, it's a young earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's created in the recent past. Right. Is, is that's the young, young earth, earth creation. creation. Yes. Yeah. And the, ter- the reason we use the term creationist as well mm. is because young earth creationists believe in a, not to trivialize it, but a sort of magical, non-evolutionary, non-natural creation for for human and animal life. Who, who's that? Old Earth? Young and Old Earth creationists. Yeah. The reason they use the term creationist right. at the end of their definition is they don't believe in a natural process like evolution. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Magic. I see what you're saying. Some sort of magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. To, no. Yeah, the, the, well, the term creationist implies creation, right? So they believe yeah. a creator, yeah. right? Uh, created everything. Yeah. So there's a young earth. People believe the age of the earth is young and that it was created. Yeah. Then you have um, some other options, which yeah. are... Old earth creationists. Right. So they still believe in creation, but yep. they say 
it, the earth is very, very old. Correct. And I don't know what the going rate is, but mm -hmm. I, I think biologists want it in the multiple billions of years, and astronomers are a little less. They're less concerned with the well, length no, of time. It, 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 Nobody can agree on it between the well, sciences, there's, there's, though. Decent agreement in terms of like the Earth being around three point something to four billion years old and the universe about 14 billion. Now, life on Earth, <clears throat> the appearance of the Cambrian explosion is a roughly 500 million years ago. So life, animal life began in earnest to diversify and become complex uh, about 500 million years ago. That's, there's no real disagreement in the scientific community on that. Now, when humans appear is a tricky one. It, it can be as early as 40 to 80,000 years or as old as 250,000 years or older. Yeah, that's a pretty big difference, though. It and is. And I would say... So, but the biologists, the, the anthropologists are, are in, in disarray. Right. And there's a reason for that. There's a good reason for that. It is very difficult to trace um, mutation rates in animals or humans. Mm -hmm. Because, for example, not to get to the nitty-gritty today, but um, environmental stress can increase uh, mutations right in your mitochondria in your cells so but you never know is it just time that did these levels of mutation or is it a period of high environmental uh, stress like disease famine war weather etc yeah. so it's it's all it's probably going to forever be uh, guesswork right right that's why there's the range maybe um, because I know what you're going to do next year we go to theistic evolution yes. right so yes. tell me the difference tell everybody the difference yeah. what's the difference between old earth creationists and theistic evolution yes theistic evolutionists believe that evolution is the process by which God created okay so a young earth creationist would say no God literally created Adam in a moment that can never be done naturally okay Old Earth creationists would agree with that, okay? Like, I, as an Old Earth creationist, I'll say, I don't believe in the evolutionary process for reasons I'll touch on in just a second. Um, therefore, God had to magically create the different Probably major... Probably miraculously create, maybe. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miraculously, <laughs> supernaturally. Supernaturally, right? yes, And it, yes. that can take a whole host of forms that are not ridiculous, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the same form that we, as an, a, a human author, creates a character, or builds a clay model, right? Like there's very sensible ways of looking at how God could create. But it would not be the Darwinian macroevolutionary model. Okay. Theistic evolutionists would say, God set things in motion at the Big Bang and it played itself out. I believe, for example, as an old earth creationist, that a tremendous amount of um, galactical uh, events are just play, playing out of the physics of mm -hmm. the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. there was a, it wasn't an awkward explosion. It was a perfectly calibrated mass power event that introduced like dominoes set up and then turned over and then flipped flipped over mm -hmm. a series of events that were unstoppable because of the basic laws of physics but that doesn't include a certain amount of biological complexity that to me for scientific reasons i don't believe in i mean biology is what i know best mm -hmm. that's what i did my university field my sciences at uvic kinesiology and then chiropractic degree it's all within the realm of human biology right it's what i know best and for that reason for example well we just jump right into it intelligent intelligent design theory and biology is a very evidence-based movement mm -hmm. and what it points out is that things like dna dna is literally information so your body reads its dna copies it 
uses it to structure the order of amino acids inside the cell, all done by micro machines, by mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. It's a factory turning it into proteins. Mm -hmm. And there's four steps to turning a amino acid chain into protein and any mistakes along the way causes major problems. Right. So it's a very precise surgical procedure, all conducted by micro machinery, ultimately reading information blueprints. Mm. That has intelligence and, and you tell me how that's built one step at a time at, by accident mm -hmm. to keep the this from going too long. The answer mathematically is it's not possible. Right. And then you've got systems that are built with what's called irreducible complexity. Mm -hmm. Whereas you cannot break them down beyond a certain point without losing all function. Right. So therefore you have to have every, a bunch of factors coming in at once, you know, to make a machine. The famous example of the mousetrap. Yeah. Right? You have a flat board that's got no use, right? Yeah. You have to have a flat surface, you have to have the spring and coil, the bar and then the hammer to hold it in, and then the trigger, and then the cheese. Mm -hmm. yeah. You cannot reduce it beyond, with any of those things missing, you'll never catch a mouse, right? Right. So for that reason, I don't believe that a theistic evolution has the biological scientific right to invoke a naturalistic explanation from what we know we're made of. Right, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, totally. And the, the whole idea of um, how do you change species, by evolution, right? How does one species um, produce a different species by evolution? I'm not saying that, you know, cats can't get bigger or fatter or grow longer hair or whatever. Oh, of course they do, right? We've, we've, we see that all the time. But cats don't become dogs or cows or, you know, and worms don't become birds. Like, there is no process by which randomly adding more complicated gen DNA information makes anything other than a wrecked piece of equipment, yeah. kind of like your computer. If you just kind of dump in a whole bunch more code, it's not going to work because well, it doesn't work. It's not made that way. But don't call it code and complexity because that's not what random mutations can provide. It's more of a random break, right? Like, yeah, if I sat there and loaded more software, if I program more software, I can change something. Mm -hmm. But random mutation is the engine by which Darwinian, Darwinian, Darwinian macroevolution is supposed to work. Right. So you get this accidental, you know, instead of having this amino acid, you have another amino acid as a, as a mistake in the genetic code. Right. That's not a whole, that's not reams of new data coming in. Right. We're, we're talking lightning strikes that break things. Like uh, gotcha. Michael B. he said, he goes, because the way you worded it made it seem like there's a process in nature that can bring in lots of complexity. No, it can't. Yeah, totally. That's intelligence, right. right? God could, with, let's say, the Holy Spirit sends a, I don't know, a magnetic wave into, into matter and reorganizes it, but that's intelligent, supernatural inter sure. interference. Yeah. Darwinian evolution is supposed to work on random mutations which are lightning strike destructive forces. Gotcha. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. I've always, when I, when I was in school, one of the uh, medical doctors that was teaching our histology class, which is the, uh, the science of the cell, the human cell, student once asked him, are you a Christian? Because rumors was he was an Egyptian Coptic Christian. Mm -hmm. He'd moved here from Egypt, uh, couldn't work as a doctor, but he could work as an educator. So he was teaching us in class. And he says, I have no choice but to be a theist because I know how the human cell works. Mm -hmm. And I ended up asking him a bunch of questions. I was just be becoming a Christian at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was a, 
I remember seeing all of a sudden biology was theology to me. Mm -hmm. Of all the fields of science, I find biology the most fascinating when it comes to, you know, glorifying God for his creative ability. Mm. And we are, we are genuinely fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. You know? Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. I think, I don't know how long we're going on this one today, but here's the thing for me as uh, somebody who believes the Bible. Um, my problem with any kind of long age of things in the beginning is um, when does death enter creation? Mm -hmm. yep. Okay. Now, clearly there is some kind of death in the Genesis story uh, created in God's good order, and it's called plant death, mm -hmm. right? You, the plants were made to be eaten. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, the fruit dies, but the tree still keeps living, yep. right? And the grass is meant to be eating. The plants of the field are meant to be eaten by the animals. The animals aren't to eat each other, mm -hmm. but they're to eat the plants. So there's that kind of death yep. in creation. Yep. The problem is, did when it, do we it, get to animal death and human death? Did elephants ever step on mice by accident? Uh, you want to ask God that one when you get there? <laughs> okay. All I know is uh, d if the Bible the says that... get accidentally eaten by cows while they're eating grass? Well, insects, I think, would be part of the former. I think when Why, you you're just You're just a speciesist. <laughs> <laughs> Where does death enter? Right. That's my question. Yes. Because the Bible clearly says that death is the result of sin. It's mm -hmm. the punishment. It's the wages of the consequences of the sin of, hum of humans. Right is uh, the result of that is death. Yep. So I, I'm, okay, what's the theory? But mm -hmm. I, we just cannot have death until Adam and Eve sin. Right. So We'll, we'll have to save this for a, uh, I've actually thought of a series, what would be, small series of uh, sessions we can do where it's uh, Dan versus E-Man, <laughs> where we can actually sure. have a back and forth. So yeah. there is an answer to that. I mean, the, the, the quick answer is old earth creationists would see that passage in Genesis where it says, through your sin, death has entered. Uh, it means spiritual death of man. That's the short answer. Yeah, and again, you, uh, yeah, that'll you guys, be for a Dan versus E-Man <laughs> session. That's not what the Bible says. So. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, forget okay. it. Okay. Hey, All I'm saying pastor, is, who am I to disagree? That's my big thing. Is like yes. we have to have like we, it has to be biblically because uh, I want to preserve the integrity of the scriptures. Totally. And also, I also don't want to have my head in the sand, okay? For example, there was a time when we didn't understand uh, uh, the uh, heliocentric model of the, our solar system. Mm -hmm. And it, the subject, the, the hermeneutics of the, of the psalm where it says, the sun rises and sets and the earth is immovable. Yes, it's poetic, but it's also observer true. It's true that from an observer's perspective, the sun rises and sets. Was that a literal definition of as astronomy or was it just an observer true parable, right? right? Right, So there has to be, because we cannot deny that we revolve around the sun and we do have to look back at certain Bible verses and say, now we understand them in context of our science because if we did not have the science of astronomy, we would think more likely than not as biblical literalists that we both are, mm -hmm. that the sun is doing the moving. Mm -hmm. Right, it's so so you have to have a very careful act of preserving the scriptures, but being scientifically literate. Mm -hmm. And and I believe that once the Bible and science are perfectly well understood, they never contradict. Mm -hmm. That's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I have 
all the answers to every single conundrum. Right. But I'm pretty satisfied intellectually with uh, Genesis 1 and a an older view of the cosmos. But again, we'll save that for... Yep. Perfect. So the long story short is the Bible says we're created mm -hmm. from nothing mm -hmm. by God. Everything is. Yeah. And the our best philosophical minds in history, uh, even non-Christians ones, have agreed and made a rational case that it is the only option for this material world. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I think this is the, it's funny, the, uh, there's the cartoon about the, you know, the scientists climbing up to the top of the mountain and they, and they, you know, how, what's this all for? And they get up to the top and there's a bunch of theologians and philosophers having lunch. Yeah. They've been there forever yep. waiting for the scientists to kind of catch up. Yep. This all started, you know, a lot of it started with Darwin and his idea of the black box. That's why B, he called his book Darwin's black box. There was a, there's a base unit of creation that he thought was probably like an, what we would think of as an atom. Yep. Right. Well, and we've since figured out and that the universe yes. is a lot more complicated than just the list of elements. Yes. Right. So he's saying he knew that if you could break this down farther, my theory is going to fall apart. He also knew that the Cambrian explosion was his biggest problem. He's like, you got to find more evidence that there was, and we just never have. Yep. So Darwin even poked his and with their microscopes in their day. Remember, this is the 1850s. Yes. They could see a single cell, but nothing in it. Now, with the advent of molecular, sorry, uh, electron microscopes, we now can see on the molecular level. And with the advances in our understanding of DNA, um, we understand that the cell, they thought the cell was a simple gelatinous unit. Mm. And the reason that when you breed white plants with red plants, you get a pink plant, is it was not unlike mixing paint, a very simple process. Yeah. Turns out that, and in, in Darwin's desk, after he died, they found in his desk, unopened, a letter from Gregor Mendel. The, the, he was the botanist, I think he was Austrian. He was an Austrian botanist slash uh, monk. As most scientists were from the 1200s to the 1700s, they were both master theologians and cutting edge, the, the founder of chemistry, Robert Boyle, Christian, mm -hmm. right? There's just a who's who's list of our scientific heroes, including Isaac Newton, who wrote more about theology, Christian theology, than, than any subject in, in science, all saw clearly the, their worldview as being theistic in nature. But anyways, Gregor Mendel was the father of genetics. Okay. He had finally cracked the code, uh, like Mendelian genetics. That's a term that we learn in biology. He'd finally found that, we, that nature operates on a series of pieces of information that combine hmm. to cause what he called, I think he might have invented the word genes, or what he said, but the, the, the genetic information system was first discovered by him. So, hmm. well, I think everybody, um, everybody realizes that something supernatural. Mm -hmm. You said right, something yep. supernatural had to have something beyond nature had to have happened. The, the one of the phrases, well, the, you know, the laws of physics aren't the same in the beginning. Well, 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 who changed the laws then, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's something that's more than nature in the beginning. That's the only logical choice. Something outside of space and time. Something from outside needs, of space and time. Needs to come and solve the problem of an infinite regress. Even when you listen to Dawkins talk, 
and he kind of, you push him back and push him back. He eventually has to say, his, his language breaks down because he has to start calling nothing something. If mm-hmm. you watch his, his arguments, in the, if you push him right to the end, he goes, this is my mystery. How can nothing be something? Mm-hmm. And he just loses his yep. logic. Like yep. that's the, You just lost the definition of both of those words. And nothing they, they is appeal, the opposite of something. They appeal to, at that point, they essentially appeal to their trust, a.k.a. faith, in materialism. Right. Well, and their their faith now is in that there's some mysterious way that nothing is actually something. Yep. That's, That's totally illogical. Go back to the Greeks. Right. Nothing is what rocks dream about. Yes, right. It's absolutely nothing. Yes. Isn't nothing... Um, the absence of something, yes. right? And something anything. is anything but nothing. Exactly. Or like you've, now you're calling something and nothing the same, like your logic yep. breaks down. The only logically consistent way is to say, okay, something that outside of the system must have interacted with the system. Yep. That's the only logical explanation. Well, Dawkins has two interesting quotes. He says, this universe from top to bottom is precisely how you would expect it to be if there was no designer or creator. Mm. That's one of his quotes. Now, in his famous book, The Blind Watchmaker, one of the opening statements he makes is that biology is the study of things that have the appearance of being designed. So which is it? (laughs) He even said that, you know, uh, the cell and the DNA structure is remarkably like that of a computer program. Mm. You know, so... Again, what's ultimately the difference between us and phys- and materialists, atheists? They believe matter is the base of re- basement membrane of reality. Mm, okay. It's the ultimate source of everything. Our brains are just chemicals. The theist sees that the ultimate ba- bottom layer of reality is a mind. Mm, right. Okay. The mind, free will, consciousness, intelligence desire, love, is above matter. It gives birth to matter. Right. That is a that it could not be a more diametrically opposed to worldviews. Mm-hmm. And I believe we've shown today that ours is the more rational one. I hope so. And the more pleasant one. <laughs> the more pleasant one, yeah. That's one of the things, eh? Show me something worth believing in. Oh, my gosh. The atheist universe is a horrific nightmare, a dystopia. <laughs> No thanks. I mean, just on that level, no, thank goodness that I can rationally make a case for it not being true. Right. Okay. Uh Cool. We solved another big one. (laughs) Okay, good. All right. Thank you. Good to see you. Bye. Yeah.